Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Harrison Bader's not going to start the season on our roster. He has had another flare-up with his um, his forearm, and he's going to likely get uh, today a PRP injection. I don't want to put a timetable on it, but, you know, probably a, a solid four weeks at a minimum. And um, just something that keeps flaring up that he feels like he can't compete consistently with at his best. And we've gone through a couple of different measures to, to, to give him the proper rest and to give him some other medical treatments that long-term he hasn't responded to. Short-term, they work, but it seems to be a recurring issue. So Harrison will start the season on the disabled list, which will create other opportunities. That is Mike Schild from the other day, and welcome into the Danny Mac Show on a Friday. Happy weekend, everybody, and let's talk a little Cardinal baseball as we are six days away now from the opener in Cincinnati. I'm Dan McLaughlin in the studios of 101 ESPN. We head out to the ENB Granite uh, Suite palatial palace that uh, we find BK at as the Blues will maybe have some of the guys skating out there today as we've got Blues hockey coming up uh, later tonight on 101 ESPN. BK, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dan. It's good to hear from you, man. I'm doing well out here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, Weekend is here. Not happy with the Blues loss last night. Uh, A lot of shots on goal, but they did not score. So got to turn it around tonight. Are are some of the guys going to be skating out there today? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure, Dan. I would imagine not after the quick turnaround, but I don't know for certain. Okay, so let's talk a little Cardinals baseball. John Mosellock, how about the loss of Bader in the outfield and what it means for this team? It might help someone that has more flexibility that can play multiple positions because, you know, in the end, um, if you were to carry, say, four outfielders, you're pretty limited in what you can do late in the game, whereas if you have five, it's a little bit more traditional. So... Um, again, no roster decisions have been made at this point, but um, you know certainly a tie goes to the runner if you can do more than one position. 13 position players, 13 pitchers going north to Cincinnati in the Great American Ballpark on Thursday. So, BK, when you look at this bench, you, you could have potentially Carpenter and Williams from the left side, and on the right side, you've got Sosa, Kisner, Thomas, Nagowski, Dean, maybe Rondone. So some options and some tough decisions coming up this weekend for St. Louis. Yeah, it is. I think you're going to be locked in on Kisner, Carpenter, Williams, and Sosa at this point. I feel pretty good about those. And then it basically comes down to you've got two spots for Rondon, Nagowski, Dean, and Thomas at the back end of your bench. And if I had to guess, Dan, I think Thomas is going to make this team now. I think they like him as that fourth outfielder at a minimum for them going into opening day. And then it becomes a question. Rondon, Nagowski, Dean, who do you feel best with there? I would put my money on John Nagowski just because if you've got that kind of a bat, the way that he's been playing in spring training, I think he deserves the opportunity. That being said, they have also stated, John Mosellock said the other day, if there is a guy who... Um, we would lose if we didn't bring them with us. That probably carries a little bit of weight. 
Well, Rondon could be one of those players, so maybe they decide to keep him instead of John Nagowski. And the way I look at it, too, remember, no DH. And that's something you got to think about as you move forward this season in the National League. So if you're talking about uh, double switches, which they are back again this year, you're not going to double switch Arenado, probably not DeYoung, probably not Edmund, probably not Goldschmidt. Where's it going to come from? Outfield. So you're going to want your best defensive outfield in the game. We know Tyler O'Neill's won a gold glove. Carlson can play center or right. But Thomas is a guy that, to me, gives you that flexibility when I think uh, think not just be uh, with the numbers of what he's done offensively, but he gives you that flexibility defensively. If Williams is in right, you don't feel comfortable with him late inning situations, Lane Thomas would be that guy. And that's something to keep in mind moving forward. Yeah, I think Lane Thomas, for me, should be locked in on this team. I know he's got an option. He's available to go down if they wanted to, if they needed that flexibility. But, I mean, you look in the outfield. Right now, you basically have three guys, if you count Justin Williams as that third one, that are actual outfielders on this roster. You can count Tommy Edmond if you want to. I'm counting him as a second baseman. That's where they want him to start. That's where I'm going to put him. Lane Thomas is that fourth guy, and you want to have four guys in the National League going into the season. So for me, I think he should be locked in, and it's a matter of who that fifth possibility is that gives you a little flexibility. I think Rondon could play out there in a pinch. We know Nagowski, if necessary, could. Maybe Austin Dean, though. We haven't talked about him hardly at all, Dan, throughout the spring. He has performed pretty well offensively. Now, I'm not sure he's significantly better in the outfield than John Nagowski defensively, but... He's hit, and so they've invested in him. He's a guy that they brought in for a reason. Maybe they go with him over a guy like John Nagowski. So John Mosellock is looking at guys like Thomas, Williams, Nagowski, Dean, outfield options heading north. O'Neal, I think, has had a really strong camp. Um, obviously, we've always understood like his you know defensive skill set, but I think from an offensive side, he seems to be getting into a spot where he where he's looks comfortable. I think the group as a whole has done a nice job. Um, obviously, not having Harrison Bader roaming center field is is not great news, but the fact that it's you know not season long, I, th- I think we can can manage through this. Other players are, are also having nice camps, like a Justin Williams. So. You know, I, I think overall, still very optimistic about what we're seeing out of this group. And, and you know, ultimately, I hope that, uh, you know, we have enough horsepower that we can uh, can make up for Bader's loss. Lane uh, Thomas, 7 for 30, his average at 233, got off to a hot start, then okay in the middle. It's been slow here down the stretch. Justin Williams is the one that's making a strong push. Now, he does have a fourth option potentially for the Cardinals to utilize if they wanted to send him to the minor leagues. 286 this spring, a home run. He's driven in four. They look at exit velocity, BK, and that's something they take into account, not looking at average, not looking at those kind of numbers, the traditional numbers. And they're seeing a guy that's hitting the ball hard. So maybe because of their deficiencies at times against right-handed pitching, Williams very good against right-handed pitching. That gives him an inside track to maybe make this team. I think so. I also think it's telling that Dylan Carlson's the guy that's playing center because if they viewed right now Lane Thomas as a guy that could play every day in center, I think you just make that move. And instead of Harrison Bader, you put Lane Thomas in center. We've talked at times uh, between you and me, Dan, both on and off the air. You could make the argument, and I disagree with it, but there is a legitimate argument to be made. Lane Thomas is better defensively in center field than Harrison Bader. So that would be the natural one-for-one one that you just go to him. If they're moving Dylan Carlson over, though, I think it is 
indicative that they want to see what their options are in right. And the guy that immediately comes to mind there, the one that they've told us about so long, the power that they love from the left side is Justin Williams. So I think we have to keep our our minds open to the idea that going into the season, not only will Justin Williams make this team, I think I would expect him as a starter in right field on opening day for me. Yeah, the one that's been disappointing for me, and you, you hit it on the head, this was his time to take the ball and run, man. The, it was it was there for the taking, was Lane Thomas. And good start. Probably saw what O'Neal was doing and, and was in competition there, but things happen in baseball. Well, what happened in this case? Harrison Bader goes down. He's going to miss probably at least a month. That's the easy, easy, logical guy you slide in there, and yet here he is fighting for a spot on this roster. And I've seen him play when he's been healthy, and this is now a year and a half, two years. Now, last year hit with COVID. year before that, got the injury, knocked him out. But when I've had time to watch him, he looks the part. And, and so that's what has been disappointing about this spring, and maybe the Cardinals are seeing the same thing that we're talking about. He hasn't taken the ball and run with it, and that would have been his time, BK, to do it. Yeah, it would have been, and it's he's won for his last 12 in spring training. He just this was his opportunity as you say Dan and he has not taken advantage at all he had four hits in the first three games of spring he has two hits since then basically so it's just I don't know what to tell you man I was a Lane Thomas guy I came into the spring and I said I thought his skill set actually fit this Cardinals team in some ways even better than Tyler O'Neill he is the quintessential Cardinal he's got every tool that you want he's got a little more power than I think a lot of people will give him credit for He definitely has the contact rate that a lot of people uh, like to see. He can run. He's got it all. He's a great defender out in center. But for whatever reason, it just hasn't come together for him this spring. And so as much as I want to see him out there over a guy like Justin Williams, it's really hard for me to make that case when he himself hasn't been able to make that case with his work that he's put out there so far in the spring. Mike Schilt, if you missed it, said yesterday after their game, they were almost no hit, by the way, that he said, quote, we have two starters that won't start the season with us. So your rotation looks like Flaherty, Wainwright, Carlos Martinez, John Gant, Daniel Ponce de Leon. Mike Schilt on what he wants to see from Ponce moving forward. He's going to be a guy that's a little bit of a tightrope guy that's um, going to run some deep counts and going to have some traffic and you know, sometimes it's, it's you know, it's the walks, really. It's the getting behind in counts, you know. Um, maybe he does, doesn't get a borderline pitch here or there. It's, you know, as Goldie would say, that's going to happen. You're not going to get every call. <laughs> and it's not just pods. It's the same message. And, you know, starter or reliever, you know, we're going to need to be able to be more economical with our pitches. And Well, when I'm here and there, and it's what I see, it's number one, most importantly, he's got to throw strikes. A lot of times you look up, you're through three innings, and he's going 20, 25 pitches per inning to get through those innings. So he's got to throw strikes. He's inconsistent, has been that way. That's got to stop. The other thing I think that he's talking about here, just reading between the lines, if you watch the games, his emotions. He's got to keep his emotions in check. One way, somehow, I don't care how he does it, but you can see at times if something does not go his way, His emotions take over, which then physically he falters. And those are two things that I'm looking at BK when he gets starts. Yeah, I think they're both fair critiques. I, Dan, do you think it's fair for me to say, I think we kind of know what Daniel Ponce de Leon is and isn't at this point? I mean, he, 
He's what at this point? 29 years old? He's 29. And And this is a guy that's been in the league for a minute now. It's kind of been consistent. He strikes a ton of players out. He gets deep into counts. He is a really quality player, but I don't think we're ever going to see him, at least not in the near future we haven't seen any indication, that he's going to be a guy that consistently gives you six innings. And so going into the season, my expectation, my belief for what Daniel Ponce de Leon is going to give this Cardinals team is four to five innings consistently. He's going to strike out seven or eight batters in those four or five innings. You're going to like that part. But he's also going to give up some hard contact. He's going to walk more guys than you expect him to. He's going to be a little wild. There's going to be moments where you're like, "Ooh, this is veering off path in a way that I was not anticipating. And that's okay, honestly. As a number five starter, I'm okay with that. But it does put more pressure on a guy like Carlos Martinez to be consistent. It puts more pressure on a guy like John Gant to give you innings because if you have that from your back three that's when it becomes an issue but if just one guy that is this way you got the five and fly get out of there after five innings I can live with that but it can't be the back three end of your starting rotation Daniel this spring 17 innings 13 walks 13 walks with the 17 innings and that's where he has to improve to be in the rotation and what you're hoping for is that KK is maybe misses a turn in the rotation and he's back in there, and then you can put Ponce back in the bullpen and make some adjustments. Uh, but we'll see exactly how that will play out for the Cardinals. It is 10-16, time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Scott Miller is coming up, and so is, I like this, in the park or out of the park. We're going to take a look at some questions, some comments uh, concerning the Cardinals and some of the numbers when we come back. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Are you really dancing? Yeah, I saw you guys getting after it, so I figured I might as well join you. I was not dancing. I was da 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 Yeah, I, I saw you, Dan. You Tanner don't have to was. play coy here. No, Tanner was on the floor. Yeah, worm, baby. <laughs> Doing the worm, bro. <laughs> Tanner was over your stanky leg into our, uh, to our intro music. I love it. He's fired up. It's the weekend. <laughs> Can't stop that, man. That's right, boys. I'm going home. I'm excited. Can't stop, won't stop. What are you doing this weekend, Tanner? I'm heading home for a bit. Are you? Yeah. Any big well, plans? Well, Tanner says he's heading home, he, he technically lives in St. Louis, but it's like an hour and a half away from St. Louis, from what I understand. Uh, two and a half, but yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe get together, play some basketball, some pickup. Yeah. You know, I miss it, so why not? Play some wiffle ball, pretend like I'm Uncle Charlie. Uh-huh. Throw the breaking ball. Can't touch this. Wow. <laughs> Coming in hot, man. How many points are you going to put? Are you going to get a double-double or what? Oh, for a triple-double probably. Triple-double yes. assist, man. T-dog. All five, six of Tanner is going to have a triple-double. <laughs> He's just going to be hooping on these uh, <laughs> these YMCA goers. Small they but they won't even know what happened. Uh, Small but feisty. What's wrong with you two? Anyway, all right, Danny Mac show on a Friday. BK is over at the EMB Granite Studios at Centene. I like this. In the park, out of the park. And Tanner's given us a bunch of, like, statements, things to think about for this season. Tyler O'Neill has the most games hitting cleanup this year. Boy, I, I think some of this is dependent on the bottom 
of your order. That's part of it. If you need to drop because the back end of the order is not producing, if you need to drop Arenado and and Goldie to 3-4. And I also think the first crack at it is going to be Paul DeYoung. So I'm going to say that he does not have the most games hitting cleanup. Yeah, I think this is out of the park. Um, I think that the first candidate to get that job is going to be Paul DeYoung. We've seen that with the way that they've set up their batting order so far in spring training. I think the second candidate, I think they're more likely to put Arenado there, as you said, Dan, than they would be to put Tyler O'Neill. I think they would be more likely to put Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson batting second as opposed to clean up, at least early in the season. So I'm going to say this is out of the park, but I do think Tyler O'Neill would be the third option. If those first two options do not work out for them, I think Tyler O'Neill would be the third one. I do not think that he has the most games at cleanup, though, this year. I think that is more likely to be Paul DeYoung. Carlson hits lower than fifth most of the year. Ooh, that's it's a good one. I, I, you know, that goes back to what we're talking about in what you do with Arenado and Goldie, because if I had a number two hitter, and I mean, just right even now. And I understand why they're doing Arnato and Goldie in the first inning. And I think it makes some sense. But Dylan Carlson, to me, looks like a number two hitter. And I love him in that spot. And I like the fact that sometimes you can use the number two hitter to get somebody going, especially if you've got that two-headed monster hitting behind you. And Dylan Carlson could do a lot of damage in the two hole. So uh, I think that maybe we see a little bit of both uh, to where he does move up in the lineup as this season moves forward. Yeah, I really like the look of that, Dan. And I know that what they would probably say in response to me is, hey, but we got to break up these these guys that can hit lefty, right? Because you've got Tommy Edmond at the top, and then you've got Dylan Carlson. If you bat them one, two, you're really right-handed at the back end of your lineup. I get that completely. I'm honestly less worried about, though. Let's get our best hitters the most at-bats, and we'll figure it out at the bottom of the order. And I think Dylan Carlson is one of your four best hitters on this team, or at least he should be going into next year. So I would like to see him bat second just like you. I think that's where he profiles. And so I'm going to go ahead and say this is out of the park as well. I think Dylan Carlson spends the majority of the season batting second. I don't think they start him there, but I think by May – early June at the latest, I think you're going to start seeing Dylan Carlson more and more often early in this lineup. So I'll say this is out of the park. I say he he spends the majority of the year actually batting second. A lot of texters asking us about Tyler O'Neill batting second. And yes, I would be intrigued with it. The problem is the amount of strikeouts. So it, lower in the lineup with power and strikeouts, I'm, I've seemed to be, I think, um, more accepting of that as opposed to not because I think if you've got Nolan, Arenado, and Goldie behind you, I want people as much as I can to be on base in front of them. I'm not saying that Tyler can't do it. I still think he's going to hit his home runs. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But a lot of strikeouts, and that would be of the concern of hitting him in front of those two. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it, actually. I, I don't. I just I think that's one of the downfalls of it is the strikeouts. Oh, certainly, yeah. In terms of the profile that you're putting there, uh, batting second, that that is the number one question is, can he avoid those strikeouts? And the answer is probably just going to be no. I think he's going to be a guy that for the majority of his career strikes out 25-plus percent of the time. That's okay if you're hitting 260-ish and you're still having the slugging that we've seen from him in the past at times, but... Yeah, th- those strikeouts are a problem. I wouldn't mind the look of it. I'd l- I'd be intrigued by it personally, but I would probably give Carlson the first shot there. Yep. I think he's the guy that profiles better. You've got a better candidate for that job. If you didn't have him, I'd be all in favor of uh, Tyler O'Neill getting it, but you do, so I don't think you need to. Four or more Cardinals with 20 or more home runs. 
That's a good one. I got I got three that I think get it if they have a full healthy season. I got Goldschmidt, Arenado, O'Neal, and I'd say DeYoung is right there. And I I I'm going to put Dylan Carlson in that conversation too. I, I it wouldn't surprise me one bit if I saw 20 home runs. Dan, what have you seen from him? his swing lately? Because it looks better. It looks like he's starting to get on track. Well, I think he's got his timing down. So beginning of camp, he, he was really. Uh, basically hitting primarily right-handed they for whatever reason it was just a lot of games in which he was right-handed and he's hitting now a lot from the left side and i think with your switch hitter just like any hitter you're trying to get your timing down and i just see more of a compact swing i love his left-handed swing i love it it's just typical generic saying left-handed pretty swing i get it he's got it he's got that and if you go down and in on him he just drops the barrel and it's right to the ball and he's, he's very quiet at the plate. That's the other thing I love about watching him play. So I, that's what I see. I just see timing. You know, just took a little bit to get going here early in camp. He was out in front a little bit. I also think he takes too many strikes. I think that'll change as we go along in his young career. But, man, the sky's the limit for this guy. He's going to be a hell of a player. Was it the Fox Sports Midwest broadcast that I saw the other day that uh, compared his swing to Carlos Beltran's? Yeah, we were, we were talking about that. Ricky and I actually talked about it before the game and he said to me he goes you know who who does Carlson remind you of and I said I don't know and he's wearing number three kind of Carlos Beltran a little bit switch hitters he goes yeah 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 and we started looking at it and then we did a side by side their swings are pretty identical yeah a lot of things that they do in terms of how they get to the ball with their hands especially from the left side very identical if he can be anything of Carlos Beltran uh, you got something there yeah absolutely uh one of the better hitters of that decade basically um i'm gonna go ahead and say four or more cardinals with 20 plus homers i'm gonna be optimistic bk today how about that dan wow. i'm gonna say that's in the Whoa. park this is a first let's do it paul DeYoung, paul goldschmidt nolan arenado tyler o'neill and dylan carlson how about i up you and i say five cardinals finish this year with at least 20 or more homers put it this way it's not far-fetched no i mean it could certainly happen especially with three of those I would say a combination of three of those guys is a definite four pretty good shot. Five, yeah, you got a shot. You got I a think shot. With, I think the one that I have, so Carlson, it's just, I, I don't know if he swings 100% there yet. I don't know if the power is going to be at realized yet. I think he's a 15 homer guy, but it, can he get to that 20? That's the real question. O'Neal, I'm pretty sure, is a 20 homer guy. It's just a matter of him staying in the lineup and avoiding the strikeouts yep. and making the contact that'll keep him out there in the lineup. So it it's really about playing time for him, and that's just all about him, whether or not he's able to avoid the strikeouts. Cardinal has 20 or more steals. Uh, I would say that's in the park. I, I think Tommy Edmond at the top of the lineup will do that. Now, here's the here's thing with Tommy Edmond. That what do you do if you've got um, you're the opposition and Tommy Edmond is at first base and you got Arenado and Goldie behind you? Now, last year, I would say don't run him because – you're just going to put on Paul Goldschmidt. It's a slam dunk. I mean, put him on and deal with somebody else. And if they get a crooked inning, the Cardinals, then so be it. This year, it's different. So you're that opposition and you're saying, well, we could walk Goldie, but that means we got to get to Arnado. Do we really want to do it? Now I just put up a three-run bomb and or damage done. So I think the opportunity for him to run is going to be a lot higher this year than with other years. Um, I would have said Bader maybe had a, t- a chance at 20, but he's not going to play. He wasn't getting on base enough. 
And the other guy is Tyler O'Neill. Tyler yep. O'Neill and Carlson will give you that shot too. But Edmund is the one that I look at to get you that 20-mark 20, 20 benchmark. Yeah, 20 is a big number, so I probably wouldn't have O'Neill or Carlson there. I mean, 20-20 season is just tough to do. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the only one, the only guy that's done that for the Cardinals in the last decade, I think, is Tommy Pham. Well, this is just a 20-stolen base season. Not- I know, but I, I just said both of those guys potentially get into 20 homers as yeah. well, so it's tough for me to say, hey, yeah, 20 homers and 20 stolen bases in the same year. I think I would go Tommy Edmond as well. He's the guy that profiles best to do this, so I'll say this is in the park because we're but 20 stolen bases seems a little high. I'd say probably closer to 15. Reyes, 10 or more saves this season, and oh I think that's in the park. I, I think Alex Reyes will get you 10 saves. I'm going to continue on my optimistic note, so I'm going to say out of the park. I think Alex Reyes plays his way out of that role. I think he starts the year as your closer. I think that's going to happen. I think eventually Jordan Hicks takes it back over as your everyday closer for the Cardinals. And I think Reyes has more of a hater type of role where he's coming in, he's giving you two or three innings, and then he's off for the next two or three days. So I'm hopeful that that's the role that he takes on. I'll go ahead and say out of the park. I do not think Reyes gets 10 saves this year because he's going to be better suited elsewhere to get those innings. For optimistic, there was a big sigh there. Yeah, because I'm worried. I'm worried. I I don't want him to be the closer. It's dependent on when you feel... Jordan Hicks is available to start giving you more than just a one inning appearance for, let's say, three or four days. When he truly becomes a closer and says, hey, I can go two out of three or three out of five. And we may not see that this year. Or if we do, I can tell you it's going to be for a few months. So you're going to have other guys down there to win you games. What's that best option? I don't know. For my money, it's probably Alex Reyes. Yeah, very well maybe. I like Giovanni Gallegos. I know lately he's been roughed up a little bit. So is Reyes. Um, Reyes hasn't looked good the last two times. Sure. Yeah, so there, there's some. There's a little bit of worries there. But I, I think Gallegos and Hicks, I would prefer either of those two because I think eventually later on this is their role. Uh, those two guys for their long-term futures here in St. Louis are going to be closers or back-end relievers. I do not think Reyes should be that. I hope he's not that. So I'm going to say out of the park with 10-plus saves, and that's just me being hopeful that that's not his role for the remainder of the season. I like it. Uh, These are fun. We're going to do some more of these uh, later in the show. Coming up, we'll visit with Scott Miller. He is a uh, network radio analyst on baseball on Sirius, so we'll talk it over with Scott Miller coming up. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. with you and Brandon Kylie. BK is over at the EMB Granite Studios as the Blues. Some of them may skate. We'll have Blues hockey coming up for you uh, later tonight. Blues are back home at Enterprise Center. And we head out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and say good morning to Scott Miller, one of the great analysts in baseball. Loved reading him. He's now at MLB Network as a radio analyst. And Scott, uh, miss seeing you down at spring training. How are you? Great to hear your voice. Likewise, uh, you as well, Dan, and BK, nice to be with you guys. And uh, we can safely say today one thing for certain. There might not be a lot we know about the upcoming season 100%, but now we know less than a week till opening day. Man, isn't isn't that nice to say? And, you know, Mm. I was thinking about this uh, today. Earlier this morning, it's funny you bring it up. You know, we were wondering, are we even going to get a season in next year? And then you heard all the bickering going back uh, with the CBA just to get it ready for 2020. 
Not to say we're not going to hear it a year from now and maybe that dark cloud hanging over our heads here in 2021. But, man, is it nice to say that we're going to have a full 162 and have baseball. So what what are your expectations of trying to get through, especially the early portions of the season, with certain guys being vaccinated, apparently, and hopefully having a full 162 as we get this thing going on? Yeah, to your point, the 162 is the hope. And, you know, I'm I'm optimistic. I mean, the, the the country as a whole, I think, you know, certainly seems to be in a better place than it was last summer. Um, vaccinations are rolling out and, and, you know, never as quick as everybody hoped, but they're getting, you know, they seem to be ramping up progressively and more and more, as more and more people get vaccinated. I mean, j- just, you know, the, the, to start with on opening day, the fact that all 30 teams, when they play at home, are going to be able to have at least some fans in the stadium, that alone uh, has to make you more optimistic and put a smile on your face because, you know, you guys know, last we were all thrilled to get 60 games in last year, but the the empty ballparks, I mean, you know, the cutout fans, the cardboard fans, you know, it looked good on TV and it was kind of amusing for the first week or so, but you know, there's just nothing like having fans in the park, even if it's 10,000 fans instead of 40,000 in a stadium. So the fact that more people are getting vaccinated, both both in uniform and in organizations and fans who can go to games, um, I think starting from our starting point next week with fans in the stands in, in, in the country in a better place, and then the optimism that from there more people are going to get vaccinated, more you know, but more players will be protected. More fans, hopefully, will be able to come to games as the as things open up as the summer goes on. Um, you know, the scare still is obviously when the season started last year. We had, you know, the outbreaks within the Cardinals and the Marlins teams. Um, hopefully, we can avoid that early. But I also think those served as test case, you know, instructive cases last year. And after, you know, there was a time when the Marlins and Cardinals were hit last year where we thought, you know, we might not even get last season in. And then not only did we get it in, but we didn't have any more major outbreaks during the year. So I think those were, you know, unfortunately for Miami and St. Louis, you know, I mean, that was those were tough, tough times, especially obviously needless to say for those teams. But I think people in the game learned from that how to handle things. I'm not saying it's foolproof now. But that's all part of why I think there's a lot more reason for optimism this year. MLB Network radio analyst Scott Miller joining us here on 101 ESPN. Scott, I know typically when we talk to you, you're you're based out of that Southern California region. Yep. I'm curious, out of the Padres, Dodgers, and Shohei Otani, what is the most intriguing storyline coming out of that region right now? Padres, Dodgers, or Otani? Yeah, there's a lot, and and and. Let's let's start with this. You know those that question you just asked me, BK. How about it tells you how good though things are in Southern California when you didn't even mention Mike Trout in that? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know it's all pretty intriguing. I think you know the fact that 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 I think that Dodgers Padres rivalry is going to be really good this year. 
Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's like the Yankees Red Sox because there's only one Yankees Red Sox. And those people that live in Boston and New York and then that Eastern corridor, that's a different level. Um, but the way the Padres ramped up this year, acquiring you Darvish and Joe Musgrove and Blake Snell to add to what they've already been, ha- you know, building with Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr., um, it reminds me a little bit of the of the early 2000s, right around the 2000 Yankees Red Sox. Again, not comparing it to that, just saying the Yankees had won three World Series in a row. The Red Sox knew if we're going to pass the Yankees, that's the standard. We've got to build a team that can beat the Yankees, and that's what the Padres have done. As the Dodgers have won eight division titles in a row, and I think. It's hard to say. I think if Otani stays healthy, that might end up being the most interesting story. But I think it's almost hard to separate the Dodgers and the Padres because even Andrew Friedman, the the Dodgers president of baseball operations, admitted after signing Trevor Bauer that yeah, we're watching what the Padres are doing, and the Padres are you know going gun, you know, all out after the Dodgers. So Fernando Tatis Jr. I think as long as he stays healthy, he'll be. You know, he's probably the most exciting player in baseball for me. Partly, you know, nothing against Trout or Mookie Betts, but because Tetis Jr. is a shortstop and he's involved in so much more. But if Otani stays healthy, he could be the most exciting player in baseball this year. So there, there's a lot of really interesting, entertaining stuff going on there in Southern California. And you could imagine here in St. Louis, the excitement around Nolan Arenado and, and seeing yes. him in Cardinal Red. And we've been hearing about uh, it maybe for two years, three years, yep. whatever it was. So now, hey, he's here. So how do you think that transforms the Cardinals and where they stand inside the uh, Central Division? Well, you know, as you guys know, for most of the winter, the National League Central was was kind of a punching bag nationally. People are like, geez, does anybody there even, are they even trying to win? Because, you know, nobody was making any moves other than really small moves. But then finally, you know, some teams later in the winter, you know, the Cubs had Jack Peterson, um, you know, the, 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 and and, and then of course the trade for Arenado. And, And that, that was a statement move from the Cardinals. I know they've got some issues now as every team does coming through spring training, you know, I mean, it's too bad. Certainly the starting pitching is going to be a question, you know, not having, you know, miles Mikolas to start the season and what, what's the status of Kim, um, you know, that, that in the outfield, obviously are going to continue to be the two questions that the Padres have to, I mean, that the Cardinals have to answer as, as the season unfolds, but, Arenado, man, I can, and I've seen him a lot. As you said, I'm based in Southern California. So, you know, naturally I see a lot of National League West games and just what the Cardinal fans are going to see defensively night after night. It's not just the spectacular plays, but it's the consistency of what St. Louis fans are going to be able to watch night after night after night after night. And, you know, especially even the non-spectacular plays, just what Arenado is able to do defensively. And that, you know, that that really, uh, him and Goldschmidt together in the infield, that's going to be a a lot of fun. And, um, you know, certainly the Cardinals, I I, I think, are the class of the division. Um, You know, and and Arenado's certainly help, is, is a big part of the reason why. 
Scott, if the playoffs don't end up getting expanded, and as of now, that's the expectation, but who knows, right? Yep. Last year, they kind of waited till opening day to do all of these rule changes. But if they as I recall, get... it was wasn't it while Garrett Cole was on the mound facing the Nationals during that game? I think is when yeah, it... <laughs> yeah. So I I am not going to write anything in pen until we actually get to like the first weekend of the first games. Um, yep. But as of now. Who do you see? I mean, the National League is pretty deep this year. Who do you think is going to be left out of the playoff mix based on what you've seen so far through the spring and what these rosters look like? Yeah, it's – it's uh, uh, it, it, yeah, big time. Um, stacked. There, I think there, there's no question. The National League is um, – you know, has, has a lot of depth, a lot of really good teams, a lot of star power. But, um, you know, in terms of being left out, that's a good question. I mean, I think going in, certainly the Dodgers, until the Padres or anybody else says differently, you have to, you have to pencil the Dodgers in is the National League West, you know, title, champions for a ninth year in a row. Um, you know, I, I've got the Cardinals in the Central. I've got Atlanta in the East, so there's three, and then wild card. You got to put San Diego in there, you know, barring utter disaster, be it underperformance or injuries or both. Because um, I think the Dodgers and San Diego are the two best teams in the National League, so that leaves you with uh, you know one slot that that uh, you know the Brewers will be fighting for, and I'm not so sure about the Cubs. You know, they've taken some steps backwards lately. They could surprise us, um, you know, but Brewers. But I think the second wild card probably comes out of that National League East after the Padres. Um, you know, I think Philadelphia could surprise some teams this year. Certainly, you know, the Mets, depending on health there. And I'd say don't sleep on the Nationals. I mean, they're the, you know, they won the World Series two years ago. And, uh, and, and, and yet, Last year they fell off so so far that I think people uh, are forgetting about the Nationals. I mean, you got you line up with Strasburg and with Scherzer and with uh, Patrick Corbin, and they've added John Lester. I know Lester is not at his peak, but this is a guy that is a workhorse that can, that knows how to win, that has championship pedigree in both Chicago and Boston. So. You know, I think push comes to shove. I would take the Nationals as my second wild card team after the Padres. And you know, you're right about good teams. I mean, you know, that that leaves the Philadelphia and the Mets on the outside looking in. Both of them are are pretty good. Um, you know, could leave the Cubs. Uh, it, that, but that's I think you know just at a quick preseason glance, and that comes with an asterisk, of course, because. How often are your pre- anybody's preseason predictions right? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Scott, uh, thanks for doing this here in St. Louis. We really appreciate your work. I've been following you for years, and we'll get you tuned in on, on Sirius XM. Listen to you a lot as well. So thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Dan and BK, you too. And uh, take care. Have a great season, and we'll talk soon, I'm sure. You bet. Thank you so much. Have a great year as well. That's Scott Miller. Does a great job covering uh, Major League Baseball. Interesting thoughts, BK. It's fun to get the national perspective, especially when you hear about, hey, man, that Nolan Arenado guy, <laughs> he's pretty darn good. And I do think he does shift the mindset of what happened here in St. Louis in the off season and going forward. I mean, he's just, he's that much of a difference maker. And I'm sure for many people that follow this game, they're saying, okay, here's a, a list of five guys who could win the MVP. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Nolan Arenado's on one of those lists.
Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, I think outside of last year, he was the top eight each of the five seasons prior in National League MVP voting. So it, it he deserves to be there. It, I can't hear it enough, Dan, from people outside of St. Louis telling us how much we are going to love watching him every night here in St. Louis because it's something that we've been asking for for years. This is the guy. And he was, it was basically a Christmas present that was a month later for Cardinals fans. But that's that's what you got in Nolan Arenado. You got the present that you've been waiting for five, six, seven years now to be able to finally unwrap. Yep, that is BK. I'm Danny Mack. He is at the EMB Granite Studios. I'm here in our wonderful palatial studios and a chance to be side-by-side side with Tanner. What else could you ask for? It's a Friday on 101 ESPN. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Well, as we get ready for the season, six days away, Jeff Passan reporting that MLB's COVID testing results continue to go in the right direction. This week, there are four positives among 13,978 tests. This spring, since the monitoring phase began of intake testing, that's 17 positives out of 72,751 tests. That is a 0.02% rate. That is huge. That's great. That's great news as teams will disperse from camps and start traveling. And that's the concern, obviously, when you start traveling and get out of these pseudo bubbles that you're in, that there's no uh, bumps in the road. The Cardinals open up in Cincinnati. They'll play three against the Reds. Then they'll go to Miami and then come home for the home opener at Bush Stadium with 32% capacity. BK is over at uh, E&B Granite. I'm Dan McLaughlin in the studios of 101 ESPN. And uh, BK, what do you have coming up with your show and Alex? Yeah, we are going to continue to remember the life and legacy of the late, great Bob Plager. Today, we've got Larry Plo coming up at 11.15. We've got Brian Sutter at 12.30. And Larry Robinson coming up at 1 o'clock. He was a member of the coaching staff back in 2019 at the end of that season. Um, And he certainly has a a relationship to uh, reflect on with Bob Plager. So very excited for all of that coming up today. Plus, we will open things up with the Blues game last night. I actually came away from that a little more optimistic than I think some did. So we'll get into that coming up at the Open as well. All right. Have a great weekend. Great show. Tanner, as always, great job. And I'll talk to you at 10 Monday on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.